Hey everyone, and welcome back to the So Rude Podcast. I'm so excited you were tuning in for another episode. Today, we are going to have another guest joining us. We welcome Megan Hallett on the So Rude Podcast. Megan is an entrepreneur and small business owner originally from Wilmington, Delaware. Megan is the co-founder of Early Bird and The Soul Token, the world's first blockchain-driven education platform and award-winning mobile app that provides virtual education resources through gaming, artificial intelligence, and augmented reality for younger children. Originally a school teacher, Megan has since left that profession to pursue her entrepreneurial dreams, and we are so lucky to have her on today's episode to talk about her background, what she does now, and where she sees herself going in the future. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the So Rude Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Me too. And so I just wanted to kick it off by saying, how's your day going so far? It's a little rainy here. It is also a little rainy here. It's been raining the past two days. And I feel like the only good thing about that is it got rid of all the snow that we got the week before. So um, hopefully we have some warmer times coming. (laughs) Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'm right there with you. If it never snowed another day in my lifetime that I had to see, I'd be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> I'm that person that says, like, if it's going to snow, give me a blizzard. Like, make it count. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It count. Totally. And so <laughs> I know I introduced you a little bit, but can you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Yes. So, like you said in the introduction, I was a school teacher for seven and a half years. And I also wrote curriculum for the state of Maryland. And I love the profession so much. It's always going to have such, you know, a huge place in my heart. But I also know that when the pandemic came, you know, that really changed not only the profession, but it changed my mindset and really had me thinking a lot about my future and my passions beyond teaching in a classroom. And really being introduced to virtual education is what had this entire idea pop into my head. I've always had a side business with developing websites and and mobile apps for other clients, but never really had the ownership of one for myself. But with the pandemic arising and really in the beginning, nothing but time because the whole world shut down and didn't know what we were doing, what teaching was going to look like. We all were on an equal playing field at that point and not knowing what the future held. And I really saw that opportunity to pursue something else. And that something else ended up being the love of app development and websites and education and morphing them together. The whole blockchain and cryptocurrency aspect of it actually came after the fact, after the mobile app was developed. Um, So it definitely has been a work in progress and we still have a long roadmap, but I would be lying if I said that the pandemic didn't play a part in helping me form this dream that is now a reality. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And so I want to like, I have so many questions about, you know, the app and the platform that you've built, but just to help introduce listeners a little bit, when did you first think about getting into education? Like what drew you to that profession? Honestly, I can remember my mom saying when I was in first grade that I was going to go to the University of Delaware and become a teacher. 
And I did. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of like, it almost felt like it was chosen, but really I come from a family of educators, but I loved it, you know, but, and, and even though I ended up going to the University of Delaware with you, um, we go way back for the listeners, Paige and I go way back, but I actually went into college with a, a journalism major and un- unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I guess, you know, about halfway through my freshman year, I realized that journalism wasn't really the profession that I wanted it was a little too cutthroat for me, which is funny because now I'm in one of the most cutthroat businesses. <laughs> but then, you know, it was the winter break of my freshman year. I actually visited one of my old English teachers from high school and she asked me why I did not go to school for education. And at the time I was like, wait a second, I don't know why I didn't. And so after meeting with her, I went home and emailed my college advisor and I said, I'm so sorry, you all are great journalists, but I need to go be a teacher. And then from there, I I pursued it. I I loved student teaching. I loved my time at the school um, that I was at. I spent all of my, my seven and a half years of teaching at the same school with an incredible staff at a, an incredible location. Um, so so that's really where it all began for me and honestly before the pandemic I I really thought that I would be teaching until retirement um so the pandemic really changed my mindset in so many different ways and with so many different avenues of life Oh definitely and I hope I'm just one of many people that have said like teachers were the backbone during the pandemic when the world shut down and then parents were suddenly finding themselves in a position of having to help their children probably more than they would have if they were going to traditional school and realizing just how much it takes to like help someone to understand a concept. There was probably like a whole host of people saying, wow, like that's amazing that you get up and do this every day because I can't. And and not a day goes by still that I don't think about all of my former colleagues and my students and that they're they're doing the work that a lot of people I don't think could ever truly imagine or understand unless they were in their shoes. You know, I I always tell people to really be careful what they say about the education profession until they try it for at least a week or two. Like you can sub one time, but that's not really what you experience as a teacher. And so they, they definitely deserve way more credit than they're, they're given in in a lot of different areas, but I will always have love for the profession, but I also, I knew in my heart that I could still reach children and do something with education on a larger platform. And, and while I had so much love for the profession, you know, the, the pandemic did make teaching very, very hard. And I would be lying if I said it didn't play a serious role on my mental health, both in a virtual setting, a hybrid setting, and a full-time setting. Um, it, it was a challenge, and I know I, I'm not alone in that. And so I, I think about teachers a lot because I, I personally know how it felt to to carry the weight of way more than teachers should right now, and and I know that a lot of teachers still are. So my my hat goes off to them, and and my heart is always with them too. Yeah. And I think it's so powerful because you've taken us now through your background of you were going to college, you got your degree in education, you worked for seven years, which you are still so young in your career. And to say (laughs) that you spent seven years at one place, like that's a testament. Most people do not stay at the 
first off, the same job, let alone the same company for seven years, like that means you put a lot of time into that, you know? Yeah, it was, it honestly feels like a blink of an eye. Like I feel like we were just in college. I I got my master's degree while I was teaching um, from LaSalle University in classroom technology. So I feel like the the technology side of it, the fact that I got that degree right before the pandemic was a godsend because I'm like, wow, I just learned about all of these different like tech resources and now I have to use them all. So I'm I'm glad that I'm like putting them to use, but it was a major change. And I I feel confident in saying that teaching now, even though most places are almost, I, I don't even want to say back to normal, um, they're, they're almost back to a full-time setting. I don't think teaching will ever go back to what it was before the pandemic. I think that there's a lot of opportunities for a virtual option for children if they need it, or I, I know a lot of kids don't like it, but a virtual option in lieu of a snow day. I know that's a big controversy, but so much. <laughs> Has, so much has changed and it, it, it's even had me thinking about when we were in school and and when we had you know dial up internet and you know you couldn't hop on the internet if your parents were on a phone call or something like what would we have done during this time and it it made me realize how appreciative I am of technology and the fact that what I'm doing now, is streamlining that virtual education option or platform worldwide on a decentralized platform is something that I just, I know the world needs. Because even though in our country, a lot of schools are getting back to normal, there are a lot of other countries right now that are nowhere close to getting back into a classroom. And in fact, a lot of kids don't have the right or the means to equal access to education. School is really a privilege in other areas of the world. And that's what I realized in creating this project that is, you know, available worldwide. So it opened my eyes up to a lot more than just the U.S. education system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful, especially living in the U.S. You forget how much you almost take for granted in a sense, all the opportunities given to you that until you start looking outside of your little bubble, you don't really appreciate them as much. It is very eye-opening, definitely. And so when you were talking, you shared with us that up until this pandemic, you never really saw yourself leaving the profession. And so I'm just curious, when did you make this decision? Was it difficult or what went into saying, I'm passionate about teaching, I care about students and their education, but I'm really ready to reimagine what that looks like for me? That's a good question. And and to be honest, it's not something that I've publicly really opened up about until now. So you're getting the exclusive. Yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, this, this project really started in early 2020 for me. And that was during a time where I was teaching from home. And I had the ability to teach during my normal school hours, hop on to, to Zoom, interact with my students to the best of my ability during that time, which was new to so many children. And, and even in the area that I taught, a lot of children really had trouble having access to getting on Zoom. You know, some of them had multiple siblings. Some of them had to go to work during class time because their parents lost their jobs. I mean, oh, there wow. were so many, there were so many barriers that I didn't realize at that time. And that's really what made me think about how there has to be some other 
supplemental platform to school. Like, you know, the pro- the project that I, I've built and I'm still, you know, improving on and adding more to, it's not to replace school, but be a supplemental tool for those children who might not have been able to fully connect during class time. And, and that's really where, you know, the, the idea came. But I knew that I had the time when we were virtual to be able to work on that after I logged out of my last class at, you know, three o'clock, I was already home and I didn't have to drive home from school and, and change up what I was doing. I simply just had to switch tabs. And I was I was working very long hours because I had from three o'clock till whenever I was done to work on this side project. But I knew that once I went back to school and and in the school building that I would have to assess my priorities because obviously my my teaching career comes first you know that I'm I'm a teacher and I have over 112th graders to serve and and provide them with a valuable education the the pandemic did make things very hard being back in the classroom with such a large class size the fear of getting sick and the fear of my students getting sick and 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 also wanting to pursue other opportunities as well. I I wanted to do it all. I wanted to be able to handle it all. I wanted to be able to wear a lot of different hats all at the same time and it created a lot of mental health issues for me that I really never suffered from before. I was thinking about teaching in the classroom when I was home working on that project, or I was thinking about how excited I was to go home from my classroom to work on that project. Like I, my mind was all over the place and I really struggled with figuring out my, my purpose and, and really what I wanted to do with my life and what I needed to do with my life, what the actual realistic life would look like for me if I left the profession. And that put a lot of fear into my mind because I was raised in a way, and if my family listens to this, they'll agree, I was raised to think and understand that if I got a job that provided me with a direct deposit every two weeks, I've made it in this world. I'm the first person from both my immediate and extended family to go to college. My family, they they have high school diplomas and, and GEDs. And I, I was raised to be excited about having a direct deposit job that was a salaried job. It wasn't an hourly one that you would have to, you know, pray for overtime. So so having that teaching job and that security in the first place, I, I was raised to believe that I had made it. And I'm not knocking the profession whatsoever because I mean teaching is such it's it's such a profession that you need you need that heart and that soul for. But I guess that's why I never really thought I could be my own boss. I never thought that I had the ability to to run a company. I learned what imposter syndrome was. So many times I would be at home saying like, who gave me the right to incorporate a company? Who gave me the right to file taxes for a business? In addition to myself, like I just never felt in my heart like I was allowed to do that. And it took a lot of, you know, mental strain and anguish and fear to take such a big risk. And and that fear translated over into teaching. And I felt as though I couldn't serve my students in the classroom the way that they deserved to be 
instructed and I, I love them all, all dearly. And they all have many special personalities and, and quirks about them. And, and I know that it's very, I I don't know if taboo is the right word, but it's not common that a teacher leaves halfway through the school year, but it happened to me. And, and I know that some people know that it was the right choice. Some people don't agree with my choice. I know in my heart that it was the only choice. I, I couldn't suffer and put my mental health at stake any longer, trying to juggle so many things that weren't bringing me joy like they once did. I wanted to be able to leave on a positive note with the best possible memories I had in that classroom. That was my my home base for, for those seven and a half years. And I wanted to leave on good terms. And I, I hope that people think that I left on good terms. I feel as though I did. I left with a lot of you know, memories that I'll never forget and I think about every day. But I wasn't feeling fulfilled like I once was. And my heart was somewhere else. And it was being my own boss and knowing that I have an opportunity to still do something with education, but reach kids all over the world because kids all over the world are suffering from this pandemic. And if I have an opportunity in front of me, it would be an injustice not to take it. So it was a big decision, but it was one that was best for my mental health and for my future. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many powerful things that you just shared in that story. And so many people listening, I think can really resonate with first off, maybe coming from a family that if you have a stable job, why would you leave? Like don't rock the boat, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so many people can probably resonate with that. Also for us in our twenties or thirties, our parents' generation very much came from a place of you started somewhere and you didn't leave unless something happened to make you leave. Like maybe you moved or or a company closed down. And so that is such a leap trying to understand this new wave of work, you know? It is. And, and that's exactly the background that I came from. And I knew that I, I couldn't be somebody that just followed those footsteps. And you know, I, I always have to rock the boat a little bit, you know, and there, there are days I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing? (laughs) Like I I'm making my own hours here. I'm, you know, building my own schedule. I'm taking calls with people to do various partnerships. And again, it, it's like my life turned upside down overnight because I couldn't, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now while I was teaching. While I was teaching, everything that I'm doing right now was a dream. It had a plan. I was brainstorming, but I couldn't go as far as I am right now. And so I feel like the moment that I I said, look, now it's time for me to really change my life, I, I resigned and I took a week to just pull myself together because it's an emotional thing to do. I, I didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to anybody. I I didn't really disclose it to anybody because it was a a decision I had to make by myself. I, I didn't want any other influence to sway my, my thought process. And so it, it took a while to really think about whether or not this was the right move to make. And, and the sign that I, I always look for a sign and I always say, I'm like, God, give me a sign that I'm making the right choice. And, and then I spend the whole day. I'm like, is that a sign? Is that a sign? I'm <laughs> for a 
what's the sign? I'm like, you know, and, um, and, and the sign that I got was, um, an opportunity to partner with an incredible agency that's based in London that works to bring digital education resources to children worldwide. And it was right up my alley and, you know, getting that call with them and seeing that this this can be something bigger than I ever thought. And it actually gave me a plan. It gave me uh, direction on what to do first. That was my sign. And that was my sign that I knew I was going to be okay. That was my sign that all those opportunities are out there. And that sign finally made me have a sense of hope. You know, I I was entering school every day with a pit in my stomach. Like I, I just felt like I wasn't the teacher that I once was, but I also knew that I loved education. So I was very torn. I'm like, how can I love education so much, but feel as though this isn't where I should be with it? And then that opportunity arose and, you know, the partnership came about and I I haven't really had the chance to stop ever since. And so it was looking for that sign and thankfully finding it that, you know, made me realize, you know what? Sorry, mom and dad, (laughs) the days of direct deposit are over. (laughs) And now I'm, you know, it's, it's crazy, but it, I don't regret it. Sometimes I'm scared, you know, being your own boss is incredibly scary, but, but if I wasn't scared, I think that would be more of a concern. Like you should, you should be scared. You should want to um, have that drive and that passion to keep moving forward because it shows that you care. So, so maybe it's not so much being scared, but that you care so much that you would never want something bad to happen. And so you're always working to be the best you can be every day at it. You you have to answer to yourself every day. I'm not answering to a principal anymore. I'm I'm answering to myself, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And there's so much freedom in that because when you answer to yourself, it's kind of like at the end of the day, it comes down to me and that can be scary, but that can be so exciting because you're like, if it really truly is in my hands, that means the only thing standing between me and success is effort and that I have full control over. Yes. Um, a full circle moment for me was the fact that the very first student I ever spoke to at the high school that I taught at, her name is Tiffany. And so I'm going to shout her out because I know she's going to listen. She's the very first student I ever spoke to. She was a junior. She came into my classroom, all like four foot 11 of her. (laughs) And she was like, hi, can I eat my bagel in class? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first decision I have to make as a teacher. And I was like, yeah, sure. I will never forget (laughs) this conversation ever. And now she's my designer. She has an incredible and, you know, and she and she was working a nine to five job after she graduated and and we're on a first name basis. We text and, you know, she left her job to pursue graphic design during the pandemic. And now she has a thriving business where she's designing websites for people. She's creating logos, custom graphic art, and she she's self-taught. She didn't go to graphic design school. She took it upon herself to learn and take all these different classes online while she was home. And she is somebody that I really have learned a lot from when it comes to self-discipline and seeing that a lot of her, her drive and motivation and success comes from having to answer to her own self. And she and I are on a level now where we can talk about how 
the motivation that we have to be successful has to come from within. And so it's just so funny to see where we started, which was like the first conversation I ever had with a student as a teacher to now we're, we're working together and we're, we're partnering on, on projects and graphic design together. It's crazy to see how people come into your life at certain stages, but then they're there to stay in the next stage of life. And, and it's crazy to think about, but I've learned so much about even self-discipline from her. The student has become the teacher in a way. When we think about someone building up their own entrepreneurial little side hustle, or, you know, their side gig or whatever you want to call it, their own business. So many people think they have to do it alone, or they have to have all the answers, or they need to be skilled equally at all the different facets to bring a business to life. And there's there's so much value in finding the person to supplement the yin to your yang. The You know you can bring some elements and that there are other elements that other people can shine in. And when you can find the right partnership with those people, it takes something that's great and makes it even better. And so it's exciting. You were able to find someone like that in your team. I know you also have other people on your team. So I'm just curious, people listening that might think I have to do it alone. What was that like for you? Did you know you wanted a team? You had talked about the London-based group that you connected with. I just want to hear more about how, how you built that out. Yeah. So the agency that I'm working with in London, they they specialize in marketing. And that is something that I do not have very much experience with. And I am so beyond thankful for being able to work with them and for them to see the value in what I'm doing. They're such an incredible team and and they've been working on so many projects that they have taken to new heights. And I I knew that I couldn't do this alone and I had to really understand and, and humble myself to know that I can't do it all. I took a big risk in leaving a school where you're truly in the mindset that it takes a whole village. And now I'm here by myself. And so not only does it involve a lot of vetting people, ultimately you're you're making the decision on who you want to work with and you want to make sure that they want to work with you. And understanding and humbling yourself and knowing that you do need other people. There's just no way that one person could tackle it all. I can design a a website or, or work on designing an app, but not without the experience of other people who do that full time. So really having a team come together is what I think has made our project a success so far and I'm I'm thankful for that team and and it's such a you know it's a strong connection when you have everyone who has a like-minded goal but I also I can't ever forget or dismiss the feeling of that pressure of making sure at the end of the day you do have a team of people that you're working with but they they answer to you and at the end of the day everything does come back on you and that that I think is where a little bit of the imposter syndrome came in in the beginning where I'm like hold on a second why are people answering to me like you know I I had to really adjust and understand that if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it and and I have to go all in you know like 119% like beyond 100% and 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 now I feel very confident in being able to delegate tasks and and keep track of what is being worked on where. But it's definitely a skill that I had to fully prepare for and I had to take action. And I 
I, I had to, I don't want to say it's like be authoritative in like a negative sense, but I had to be very direct. And that being direct, I used to think could come off as like cold or negative in some way, but it's really what people need. They need direction. They need to know what is expected, what needs to be done. And I I think that I have a good grasp on it right now, but I know that there's always going to be with things getting bigger and expanding, there's going to need to be the delegating of more tasks as well. And so I I'm always practicing that every day, but I think I'm getting better at it. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm I'm comfortable doing that and having a strong team like that. So yeah, that was something new that I had to adapt to. Yeah, new skills. And and we had said earlier on, you know, you you rock the boat in your personal life, but now you're steering the ship in the professional <laughs> world. So it's really, you know, helping you move through those different areas. And so us listening today, we've heard about your passion behind education. You've had years in the school classroom to really, you know, hone those skills. We had talked very early on, I had introduced early bird is this app that you've built that is providing this educational experience, as you've talked about, to help people reach this offering that maybe they don't get naturally at home or through their current school. And it's partnered with the soul token, which is a cryptocurrency. And so first, did you know about cryptocurrency? Was that something you were interested in? Like, how did that come into play? I did. And I feel like now people can't go on Twitter without seeing NFT or crypto or this or that. And it's like all over the place. And I know it's such a um, a phenomenon that people either love and have loved for a long time or they despise or hate. And, and I always say, you know, people hate what they don't understand. And so with it being an educational app that I've built and the the token aspect as well, I want it to be an opportunity where people can learn about it. You know, education comes in in reading, writing, math, all, all the core subject areas, but why can't we teach about cryptocurrency too? So I, I've been a long-term investor in a lot of different cryptocurrencies for, for quite a few years now. So I've already been familiar with what blockchain is what the difference between a coin and a token are. And NFTs are are a very new phenomenon as well. But it just, the thought never crossed my mind to create my own cryptocurrency. So one day, you know, I was thinking about it and I said, why, if, if, if we, if we can make like NFTs and we can put something like artwork or a soundtrack or something like that on the blockchain and people can buy a piece of it, why can't we tokenize a, a mobile app? And that's when I really dove into what a, a utility token is. And, and that's what the SOUL token is. So SOUL, which is S-O-W-L, it's abbreviating Super Owl. And the Super Owl is the mascot in the app. So that's where the name came from. It's like our little owl mascot um, that kind of serves as like a kid-friendly Alexa, like that can give you on-demand answers to your questions, but it's like filtered for children for safety purposes. But another element of it is the the cryptocurrency, which we we decided to add. And the reason I decided to add that is through my you know research and studying the blockchain and cryptocurrency, something called a utility token was on the rise. And in particular, utility tokens that are based on like earning crypto or earning tokens through gameplay. And I'm like, well, 
there's games on my app and my app could be a utility. Like, why can't I make one? I've always been invested in cryptos, but like, why not have one of my own? That's where having a team comes in because I was learning about it for the first time and I had to dive in all the way, but I I'm thankful to have a team that also is very familiar too. So essentially what the soul token does and how it partners with the app is people can purchase the cryptocurrency. We're actually in our our pre-sale stage right now. We're we're looking to launch in the first quarter of the year, but that's a conversation we've been having with our marketing team, making sure that we're launching at the right time in the market. The market's always a little rocky at the beginning of the new year, but not only can people purchase that token kind of like the way that you would purchase a, a stock if if anybody listening is very new to crypto you know you can buy sell at different price points but we are building an updated version of the app where families will be able to play the different games on the app and earn cryptocurrency through the gameplay so not only are they earning tokens which have a value to them when we launch but they're also getting the benefits of learning and having supplemental education. So I didn't want it to just be a gaming app where it's a game of strategy or, you know, tapping bubbles, this, that, and the third. Not that those aren't fun. Like I was addicted to Candy Crush, you know, like they're, <laughs> they're fun, but, but I know that I wanted to keep the element of education in the app and for instance, if a child and their and their parents are sitting there playing one of the games together, I'm thinking of like level four, where you have to match up certain colors in certain areas, and they're able to do that. Not only has that kid received practice on learning about these different primary and secondary colors, but because they were able to complete that level, their, their family's account is able to be awarded soul tokens. So there's a lot of different ways to earn them. And I, I truly think that incentivized gameplay and being rewarded for learning, it's it's a double win. So that's what's being produced right now. And that's where the two go go hand in hand, which to be honest, two years ago, I did not ever expect to own a cryptocurrency, but here we are. <laughs> and I'm very happy that that's the, the trajectory of the project. And that's the, the direction that it went because it is the future. And I know I'm rambling a little bit, but for people who, who don't understand it, it is a lot to stomach. It, it's like, a, it's a phenomenon that so many people either have already been studying for a while, or they don't even know where to turn or what to look for, or they want to write it off completely. But I also tell them, I'm like, you know, there was a time where people were afraid of credit cards and debit cards too. They were afraid when we started having the chip on the end of our credit cards, you know? So there's always going to be some new level of technology as it relates to finance. And my advice to people is, you know, don't reject it because it's not going anywhere. You want to, you want to learn as much as you can because countries are using it as legal tender. The, The state of Arizona just proposed a bill to use Bitcoin as legal currency in their state as well. So it's coming. So I I always tell people like, ride the wave, join us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We have a a lot of water metaphors going on today, but I love it. What you said earlier about like people write off what they don't understand. Like you said, there's probably so many people that have heard these words like NFTs or cryptocurrency or token thrown out they don't know what it means or where it's coming from and they kind of do write it off. Is there a particular, I'm just curious to pick your brain, like a website or a book or some somewhere you started where you were like, okay, I am at a base level. How can I even start learning about this world? 
Yeah. So I had already been invested in a couple cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin. Another big one that I'm invested in is Cardano and a lot of like the the features and the, the ideas and concepts behind Cardano is something that really inspired and helped me in the creating of mine, the creator of that one, Charles Hoskinson. I, I want to meet him one day so badly. And I hope one day I do meet him and I can come back and play that, like this part of- You're speaking but, it into the universe. Yes, that's my goal. But you know, what he built and why he built it is something that I'm so inspired by. And to be honest, actually learning about the process of creating my own token and things like that, it came from Twitter. It came from Reddit. It came from other people. There are definitely websites out there that you can learn so much on. For instance, my my token and the difference between a coin and a token is that a token is built on a blockchain, whereas a coin has its own blockchain. So my token was built on the Binance smart chain. So it's kind of like if you looked at it almost like a family tree. And I hope that this translates well. <laughs> like Binance is at the top and my token is off of it. But Binance has its own academy on its website to teach you about different processes of what a token is and what it means to be on their smart chain. And I did a lot of research there, but I didn't want to dive into this until I did a ton of research. I didn't want to go into it blind, but I also knew that learning from actual other people that have already done it was going to be the best way to learn because you're not just reading an article that might have paid promotions in it, or it's very one level facts and citing articles. It's the actual talking to people and learning from them, learning about maybe their mistakes or what they would have done differently. It's going directly to people that are doing what you want to do that I believe is the best way to educate yourself on a new topic. And it doesn't have to be that way just for something like cryptocurrency or anything like that. You know, it can be for anything you're passionate about, even though it's it's a virtual project, there are still real people behind these projects and creating a community of those like-minded individuals is what I had to do. My husband, actually, he told me this advice in the very beginning. He said, Make sure that when you're talking with people, you're talking with people you aspire to be like. And in that community of people, you want to make sure that you're never the smartest in the room. You want to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people that you aspire to be like and that have a positive outlook and effect on the type of work you want to do. And so that's why I I made sure I'm going to pursue and and try to rack the brains of these people that are already doing what I want to do. I'm happy to be in a community of people that I speak with about my project and about their project daily because, I mean, you're going straight to the source. You're going to people that are doing what you are working to do. And so that's kind of where I get my knowledge from is other people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that advice. Like, seek out the people you want to emulate and then follow their footsteps, learn from yep. them. And hey, they might pass down a little nugget of wisdom and maybe you can bypass a step in the future because you learned from someone that had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I, and and I'm, I'm thankful, you know, there, there's no denying that this world can be competitive. I, I know that I'm not the only 
token out there that's based on gameplay. You know, it's on the rise right now, but I think that what made our project very individualized is adding that educational aspect to it and having like the AR and the AI features as well. But I, I learned that, you know, if, if people shut you down or don't want to talk about it, don't force it. Go to the people that are willing to share, like you said, you know, that that bit of wisdom. And and those are the people you want to stick by because they want to see you be great because they know that you feel the same. Like you're going to them because you see value in them. And if they respond positively, they see value in you too. And so those are the kind of people that I, I look to surround myself with now. Yeah. And and you had said, you know, the world is a competitive place and it very well can be. But the people that believe like my win doesn't take a win away from you, we can both win. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of people that are going to be willing to share their feedback and because they know like success is infinite. You can create as much of it as you want. And I don't need to I mean, of course, the secret sauce, you're going to keep close to your chest, but like, I don't need to keep all (laughs) of the, you know, I don't need to keep every single answer to me. There's so much value in sharing that with other people and watching people grow behind you. Yeah. Not to mention the more projects that come out and, and with, with cryptocurrency, what I love is that it's, it's decentralized. And I know that a lot of countries and governments worldwide are, are kind of catching on and figuring out, hang on a second, like, how do we regulate this? And it, it's creating some friction in, in some areas of the world, including where we are. But I think it's because people see it as something very promising. But it can't survive without new projects being built. You know, so so the creation of my project ultimately is helping others thrive too. You know, if if one person was the only one that had that single project forever at some point it's going to dissipate, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers and the, and the more people that come together and, and show that they want a piece of this whole new, I keep saying phenomenon, but that's honestly what I feel like it is. There needs to be more. And I think we all want to be successful and they're successful when I'm successful, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. Like if my project's doing well and, and the price and the value of it's increasing, there's a good chance if they're on my same blockchain that theirs is too. Like we all want to succeed. And so that's what I love about it. It's it's an equal playing field in some aspects. So that's what I like about it. That's amazing. And so one thing that I learned that both you shared, it's also on your website, is that for every 100 US dollars that the Soul token is purchased, the company unlocks six months of full access to the early bird mobile app for a child on your waiting list. To date, you've featured over 200 children worldwide. That's amazing that you are incorporating a charity component to your organization. Was that really important to you when you started? Is that something that grew over time? I just think that's so amazing that you you built that into your infrastructure. Thank you so much. And, and it definitely was because I never wanted a project like this to be something that was only designed for people of privilege. I don't think that everyone in this world can afford to invest in whatever cryptocurrency project they hear about. And education should be a right for every child, regardless of where they live. And I know that while the in-app purchases on our mobile app are lower than our our competitors. And that's something I cared a lot about. I still know that what might seem low to me might not be low to a single mother of four, especially during a pandemic. And so once the creation of the token was established, 
I made sure that in our code, we made sure that 1% of every transaction went into a charity fund. And while 1% seems low, ultimately the goals that we have can make that number go a lot higher than I, I ever thought I could be capable of. And it's 1% per transaction. So anytime somebody buys, sells, buys, sells. And so that that number can really increase quite quite fast. And once that hits like a, a $100 threshold, we do have a waiting list of children that so far, roughly, I think now we're at like 283 of them have been able to access unlimited app gameplay on the early bird app. A large portion have come from a community in the Philippines, which I've been very thankful to provide services to. I actually know a woman over there who was able to tell me directly that she knows children in the area that she lives in that now are able to access that. And it and it feels really good to know that I'm able to do something like that. And I never want this project to just be about money. There's no denying that there is a lot of money in the cryptocurrency world. It, it, it's booming, you know. We're talking like projects that are are raising like millions of dollars overnight, and it and it's so exciting. But I, it wouldn't sit well with me knowing my upbringing, my desire to be an educator, my desire to help others. I could never leave education like in a school setting and not do something to provide educational resources elsewhere. So I think that having that charity fund is something that's not only going to help give access to children who might not be able to go and walk or drive to school every day, but also to be able to provide for other charities as well. We have a couple potential partnerships with other charities as well so that, you know, if our waiting list is down, or it's been concluded for the year. And that's a waiting list that has had children over time. Like we didn't wake up one day with like over 200 kids that needed these resources, but it's something that's gradually being worked on and provided. But we also have a couple other charities that we would love to work with that still relate to the educational field. And so that's something that I'll never budge on. And I'll, while I know and I I dream about and, and not only dream about, but I, I know in my heart that this project is going to be bigger than I ever thought it could be because I refuse to accept anything less. Like I, I had to take a big risk. I need a big reward. One thing that I will never bend on are my morals and the reason I did this, and that was to help children. And so that is something I'll never compromise on. That's something I cannot budge on. A charity component an educational reward for children who need it is something that will always be on the top of the priority list for me at the end of the day. Yeah. That moral compass is still steering the ship. Yes, it sure is. It sure is. I love that. And so Megan, thank you so much for taking the time. I know we only scratched the surface as far as all the power behind the company that you built and the power that it has. So thank you so much. Where can people find you online if they're interested in learning more? 
So we have two websites. Our early bird website is www.yourclass.org. And the Soul Token website is SOWLtoken.com. Those two websites are where you can find a lot of information, which also have links to our company social medias as well. I can also be found on LinkedIn and my professional Instagram account is at the Megan Hallett. Um, and that's where I post updates about what I'm doing with my company and just a couple other thoughts and ideas. I like to communicate with other fellow entrepreneurs and, and business owners as well. Wonderful. And we're going to link all of those socials down in the description so you can find all of those links there if you're interested in connecting or learning more. And so Megan, every time I have a guest on the show, I always conclude with the same question, which is, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Oh man, you're going to make me cry now because I was just thinking about this the other day. What could I tell my younger self? Wow. I would tell myself to take the risk. Don't be hesitant. Don't think that you need to be what people expect you to be and that it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared because it means you you care about that risk you're taking and that risk is going to be rewarded as long as you stay true to yourself and that you know what you're doing is being done with the best of intentions and to help others. I love that. And so Megan, this was a phenomenal episode. I feel like I've learned more about cryptocurrency and entrepreneurship in the last like 40 minutes than um, (laughs) I have before. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I, I love all of the episodes that you have and I can't wait to be a part of them. So thank you. (laughs) Yes. And it feels so full circle. We connected back in high school and I couldn't wait to bring Megan on the show to speak to you all. And so thank you everyone that has listened to this episode. I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope you learned so much about the soul token and the early bird app. If education is something that's important to you, those are great resources in the description to learn more. And as always, I can't wait to talk to you next time. Have a great day. 